turn to your neighbor, just say hello, greet each other, maybe with a handshake, warm each other up, give each other a hug. We are glad to have you here on this cold, cold day with us, worshiping and praising Jesus. That is good. Did you? 
Father, we just come to you this morning just thanking you so much for the opportunity that you're giving us to know that you are here with us today. Know that your grace is so amazing, Lord God, that it is what sets us free, that it is why you came, died on the cross, rose from the grave, is preparing a place in heaven for each one of us today. Lord, thank you for that, and thank you that you are here with us today as we lift our voices in praise.
Well, good morning. Welcome to 2018. You guys excited? Yeah. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jesus in 2017, and he's Jesus in 2018. Aren't we excited about that? Yeah. It's exciting to worship with you this morning and to see all your faces and in a warm auditorium. Amen, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's exciting, even though it's freezing, we're, we're, still, we're still gathering under one name, that's Jesus. And it's exciting to see what he has in store for us this year. Um, we have a couple announcements to make, and then I, I want to bring up Pastor Ken to talk about something really exciting. So two things is our Wednesday night programming, so student ministry, children's ministry, we're back on schedule this week. And we're really excited about that. And then the second thing is that we are in a brand new series starting today called The Struggle is Real. And uh, I think a lot of us are going to identify with that. And maybe not this weekend, but next weekend because we're going to hit a struggle this week because broken, sinful people, the struggles are real. Trying to, you know, pay the bills, be that friend you got to be, keep the relationships up, keep the kids fed, clothed the house somewhat in shape, you know, and showing up at church, keeping gas in the car, all those things, the struggle is real. Punching the clock, showing up to work every day. And I'm really excited about what God's going to teach us through his word this morning. Um, But now I'm really excited to bring up Pastor Ken to share something really cool. Folks, we are thrilled about uh, the the birthday gift of Jesus. I just want to let you know, that uh, we went over the goal, so we'll put up that. And I'm going to ask for a drum roll. He's going to give us a drum roll, and I'm going to give you the figure. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. <laughs> Folks, God provided $105,000. Isn't that exciting? That, that is just incredible. What God has done last year, what God has done this year, and, and just above and beyond what we could ask or think. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says that our God is capable above what you could ask or even think. And so as we've been praying, we've been asking, look at what God's done. What a great God. Amen? As, uh, as you've been giving and we've asked you to, to give, I want to say thank you for your giving and uh, your faithfulness to, to what God's called us to do here at Crossroads. Everything that comes in for this birthday gift to Jesus, we can continue to give this week and next week. And uh, anytime you want to give, just mark it, birthday gift to Jesus, and uh, we'll go to that fund. But I want to say thank you for giving because your generosity is not just reaching local. It's not just reaching Finleyville and Pittsburgh. We're reaching around the world, and people's lives are being touched. And, and so uh, you, you look at the orphans in Haiti, the orphans in Philippines, the orphans in Ecuador that we're reaching out to. What, what a blessing God is using you, and he's, he's used you to, to touch them. Uh, missionaries' housing that we're providing, missionaries' kids that we're helping out. Uh, you just look at that list. You know, one of the things that we're doing on that list, is, you'll see it's blessing in the backpack. We're going into our local school down here. Rachel Lent is involved with a program here. She's a teacher down at the, at the school down the street here, Gastonville. Well, I guess it's Ringgold South, North, something, anyhow. It's, uh, it's one of our school districts down the road here. And, uh, and we provide uh, some 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 food for kids on the weekends and and so we're through the school district we're able to get in and we're we're supporting what's happening locally we're supporting what's happening around the globe and i just want to say thank you because god is doing great things let's give him another hand what a great god we serve what a great god we serve 
I want to say thank you for being here this morning. You know, uh, the first service I got up, it was minus four degrees, and I feel like it's a heat wave because we're up to eight degrees already. So thank you for coming. I talked to one, one of the, uh, an older couple in the hallway. They said, we would have been here for first service, but our brakes were frozen. We needed an extra half hour. It was so cute. But I, just, I want to thank you for being here. This is like the Marines today. We're out in full force. It's cold, but uh, you're not being stopped from serving and worshiping the Lord. Thankful for our team on the parking lot, huh? Isn't that tough day out there? Let's give them a hand. Tough stuff, man. Tough stuff. So I want to I want to thank you also for your giving regularly. You know, this birthday gift to Jesus was uh, above and beyond our regular tithe and offering. And so you've been faithful to our tithe, faithful to your tithe and offering, and now the birthday gift to Jesus in addition. God is just doing some incredible miracles here at Crossroads. We're excited about 2018 where God's going to be taking us some new thoughts that are on the horizon as we just look to reach our community for Jesus Christ. And so I want to continue to invite you to pray for your church and continue to give, and let's just watch God bless. You know, one of my kids was asking me, well, how much should I give to the birthday gift to Jesus? And I told him, I said, you can never outgive the Lord. And that's true with our whole church. And I'm just watching that over and over. I, I, I ran into one guy. He told me this. He said, you know, I, I prayed and told God I'd give a particular number. And, he, and it, was a, it was a number that he told me. I was like, wow, okay. And uh, he said, I gave it. And then the next week, I got it all back. And he told me all the different ways that, 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 that it all came back. I was like, now that's pretty cool. And that doesn't always happen. But isn't that cool? When we let go... God continues to meet our needs. So I want to say thank you this morning for your giving. Many people give here. Many give online. Many give through the mail. There's all different ways that you can give. And so we we appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord's work. We'll continue to give for the next two weeks. And then we're going to have a celebration. We have got to celebrate this. This is just incredible. Everything that comes in over and above. So if that means a missionary was on there for... Uh, 2,000, they may end up with 3,000. If they were on there for one, they may end up with 2,000. So we're just going to bless these missionaries that are around the globe and uh, continue to, to uh, do what God's called us to do. And what, what a blessing that we were able to do that last year and again this year. And so let's continue to give to the Lord. I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. I'd like to ask you to continue to re- remember those that are hurting this time of year. As I shared with you last week, Dana Daly... Uh, lost his wife Sarah suddenly, and uh, and then just this that was uh, the day after Christmas, and then just on Friday his dad passed away. So if you would remember Dana daily in prayer, just he was here this morning, and uh, just uh, just just a faithful faithful person. We love him dearly, and uh, what a hard thing to lose your wife and then your dad all in the same week. So if we could just lift them up before the Lord, also the Gillio family, we thank God for the Gillio family. And this morning, you know, many people watch our services online. I've been hearing more and more people, if they're sick, they can't make it, or if it's too cold for those of you at home right now, okay? But uh, they are, the 11 o'clock service is always live streamed. So I want to give a shout-out to George Deasing, you know? George Deasing was in, in the automobile accident and, uh, and, and has been recovering, uh, and he's been at home in a hospital bed for, for, since October. And uh, he's, he's on the mend. Things are moving in the right direction for him. But George, if you're watching, we just want to say thank you for watching. He, he told Jim once, he watches us every Sunday. And I want you to know, isn't that a blessing? Our video team, they're up there working, serving the Lord behind the scenes. And guys like George Deasing and other people are able to participate with our church family. So, George, we love you and we're praying for you. Can we give George a hand this morning? We love George.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and I just, uh, I'm so honored to be called your child. I'm so honored to be part of your work, Lord, to help to shepherd your family here at Crossroads. Lord, uh, I'm overwhelmed by your goodness, by the way that you chose to, to give um, the funds for, to your people, Lord, to meet the needs of your people around the globe. Thank you for their generosity. Thank you for their heart uh, being open to God and, and that we could do something much bigger than us. God, thank you. That is so fulfilling that as Christmas season is moving on, uh, that, that we have something so much deeper and we're able to bless those around the world. Lord, I thank you for, um, for our family. Lord, we pray for those that are hurting, for the dailies, for the Gilios and the loss of Ralph Sr. Um, Lord, we, we, just, we just lift them all up to that these are some painful times for these families, but we know that you said you'd be there with them. And Lord, we think of George Deasing today in recovery, and I thank you for, for him this morning, Lord, and as he is uh, watching online, and maybe others are at home watching online, dealing with illnesses, Lord, we, we just lift up George and ask that you continue to work in his life, continue to, to, to touch his body, Lord, and, and I just thank you for his spirit of uh, how he's growing in Christ through all this. And Lord, be with George and Linda and the, and the entire family. God, we just lift up our Crossroads family. We love you, and we say thank you, and we bless your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. 
stay warm, right? I mean, two weeks below freezing and uh, this big talk in Pittsburgh, but I'm like, folks, this is the first winter we've had in five years, right? This is wonderful. We actually got some cold weather. And uh, the struggle is real, though. When when you're thinking about, you know, just trying to start your car tomorrow. Uh, Last night, uh, I came in and we we had problems with the technology in here. Nothing was working. It's amazing. I'm like, I'm going to talk about the struggle is real and I have a real struggle. It's just like amazing. And then then my wife comes and she says, hey, I I was down at the uh, Dollar General and uh, the, the car wouldn't start back up again. I was like, the struggle is real. You know, I'm out there, it's minus four and I'm putting jumper cables on one of the cars. And so, so the, the struggle is real. As we move forward and you try to do things in your life, I want you to know that as you make progress and you attempt to do good, that there is a struggle that is very real in your life. And uh, as much as you want to move forward and you want to do the right thing, you want to do good things, there is a battle, there's uh, something that is going on. And the scriptures tell us here, the first verse I'd like to share with is Ephesians 6.12. The apostle Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So there it is, the word struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the things that you can see. He says, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, there is a struggle between good and evil. There is a struggle between God and Satan. And as you are setting out, and every time that you are making an effort to go forward, you say, man, here's my life, and you're trying to move forward, sometimes you feel like you've made two steps forward and three steps backward, because the struggle is real. And the scripture here says that the struggle is against not the things that you can see. It's not against those, the battery going down on the car. It's not against the, the technology, the screen. It didn't work for me last night. It's not against the uh, six blankets to try and stay warm at night, okay? It's not against the things that you can see. It's against the things that you cannot see. And in this world, we fight a spiritual warfare. So as you begin, as you look at 2018, there are areas in your life. It's amazing to me how that the passage of time creates a, a moment for us when we start to look forward. Uh, we, we want, you know, and the reason being is because there are less pages to turn in your book. 
Uh, you know, if, uh, it, it, it's like you're looking through a book and, and here, here's my, well, I turned one more page. And so as we move from 2017 to 2018, you look and you say there's less pages to turn and you want to set out, you're, you're trying to do some really good things in your life, but there is a real struggle. And so I want to encourage you as we take this series and we look at some struggles because the struggle is real. But we are promised victory. We're on the victory side already. We fight from victory, okay? We're not fighting for victory. The victory is already won at the cross. When Jesus died, he paid once for all, forever for your sin. The battle was won on the cross. We fight from victory. And, and so I, I, want, I want you to know that there are some real struggles, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The, the powers of darkness have no power compared to the God Almighty, but they do have power. And there is a spiritual force. And so as you're, you're setting some goals in your life right now, you, you're wanting to do some very good things. I want you to know that there is a real struggle and there is resistance to those good things. Because of that verse right there, the Apostle Paul just shared with us the depth of it. Because as you move forward, uh, some of you have taken some major strides for God in the past year. And as you have done that, they have not been without resistance. Maybe your family has had resistance. Maybe uh, relatives have, have resisted some of your thoughts of growing in Christ. Maybe you have really struggled in some areas. And uh, there, there's bumps all along the way. And as we are heading on the journey towards Christ, we will find out that the struggle is real and that there are battles that we will fight as we go through. So uh, today I want to start off, though, with what I think is, is the epicenter of all the battles. It, if we can conquer in some areas, this would be the main areas to start conquering. And then, then we're going to look and we're, we're going to come out of the circle. So we're going to start at the epicenter. And as we go through this series, we're going to look at other areas of struggle. But I believe that one of the greatest struggles is our relationship with God. Uh, everything uh, about Christianity is about a relationship with God. And so one of the greatest struggles that we have is developing and growing this relationship with God. And I want to share with you this morning uh, uh, a story here. Uh, it's not a story, it's an actual account. Luke gives us an account, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. He gives us an account of two women that had a struggle. And uh, you're, some of you may be familiar with it. I know we've talked about it before here. But I want to come and, and, and like look at the, the in-depth of the struggle that, that Martha had here. There's Mary and Martha, and, uh, and Jesus is coming to their house. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's on the screen. You can also look it up in your Bible if you have one. As, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. I love how Luke gives us details. I said on Christmas Eve, Luke gives you details because these were actual events. He interviewed all the eyewitnesses and compiled his gospel, the gospel of Luke, based on eyewitness accounts. So he gives us some details. He says they're in this village and they went to Martha's home and Martha welcomed them into her home. Uh, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, I want you to think, what would you be doing if Jesus were coming to your house today? I mean, if you knew that Jesus were coming to your house, what would be going on? Uh, there was a lot of panic, no doubt. There was a lot of preparations that were happening. Uh, verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. 
Uh, verse 40 there, Martha was distracted by a big dinner. We're going to come back to that. But I, I just want you to think, if, you were, if Jesus were coming to your house, you'd be like cleaning up like crazy, you know? I don't know if this happens in your house. Like when we have company coming, it's like everybody gets a little bit on edge because we've got to clean up the house, you know? And, and we have these, uh, these piles. We call them organization, okay? They're, they're, they're organizational piles all over the house, right? And when we know the company's coming, guess what? It's amazing. I'll come home, and those piles have magically disappeared. I don't know how that happens. It's like all of our organization, where'd it go? And, uh, and, then, and then after company leaves, I'll open my bedroom door and see that, oh, there it is, all over my bed, Okay? That's what you do, right? When you have that room in your house where when things get like that, you just kind of, you put it all away because you don't want your company to see the mess and you put your mess away because we all have a mess and we just kind of throw it in there, right? Well, when Jesus was coming, he, he could see all the mess. That's kind of cool, you know? If Jesus were coming, he knows what's behind door number one, right? And, uh, and he's, he's coming, he sees the mess. And, and so here's, here's Mary and Martha and Martha is in panic mode and she's having Jesus over. Man, if Jesus were coming to our house, we'd be, we'd be losing our mind, although he's there every day. But if he were physically coming and, and his entourage were with him, man, we'd be losing our mind. We'd be, we'd be cooking. We'd be doing all kind of stuff, you know. But Mar- Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details? I, I, could, could you just see Jesus? You're worried over all these details? Verse 42, there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You can't take it away from her. Mary's discovered what is the one thing, the one thing worth being concerned about. And that was sitting at Jesus' feet, talking and building a relationship with Jesus, learning from the Master, and so as, as we look at this, I, I, this verse 40 jumps out and, and, and screams at me. It says, but Martha was distracted. And there, there was so much distraction. It says that she was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so I just want you to see this woman who's in frantic mode, who's in prepare mode, who's trying to make everything just right because Jesus was coming. And I want to share with you this morning just a few few ways that she was distracted and I believe we can be distracted as she was and the struggle is real for Martha Martha had a good heart you cannot look at the heart of Martha and the heart of Mary and say that Mary had a better heart I say they both had great hearts because both of them were trying to connect with the master in their own way but Jesus said "Uh, Mary has caught it Martha why are you worried over all these details? Look, you want everything to be just right. You want it to be just perfect. And here God has something a little bit simpler and, and Mary has found it. I want you to enjoy the one thing. She's found the most important thing. Martha, your preparations are okay. But Mary has found the most important. And so I see two women that had great hearts but were really struggling and Martha wanted to be perfect for the master. But let's look at a couple of the struggles that she faced. She was distracted. Martha was distracted by clutter. She was distracted by clutter. And uh, when I'm saying clutter, she was preparing a big dinner. Did you catch that? She's preparing a big dinner. She is distracted by trying to do too much. 
And I think we are that way too. We try to do too much. And so I want you to think of clutter not as those piles that lay around your house, because everybody has those. I want you to think about this schedule that is so maxed out. Here she was, she's trying to do more than she can handle. She is, she's making this big dinner and it's, I mean, just imagine if Jesus were coming to your house and, uh, and, and imagine Jesus had been known to, to visit different places. Could you imagine the, the women, how they talked around town? Well, you know, when Jesus came to my house, well, we had Mediterranean dinner. It was pretty good. Well, you know, we had salad. We were vegans, you know? Well, we had... Whatever. And, and so they, 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 could you imagine that, okay? I don't know. I don't eat too much, right? I know, right? Not too much good food anyhow, right? So it's, it's, it's like, you know, here, here they are. And, and you, see the, you see the struggle. And so that, the pressure was real. She had a very real pressure. And, and it was to trying to do something that was a little too much. And I can't help but think about our lives because we, we're doing too much. We really are. We're, your, your life, and as you start to have kids and your kids begin to grow, all of a sudden you'll watch this like, wow, we just are booked constantly. And then after your kids grow, you're still booked constantly. And it's like we just live in this fast-paced world. The, the culture is like crazy. We're, we're running at the speed of light. So much has changed in our culture in the last 40 years. You know, in 1973, today's homes are 1,000 square feet larger on average than in 1973. Uh, the living space per person has doubled over the last 40 years. Wow, things have changed. We have more space, there's more room. But yet, what hasn't changed, what, what the other thing that has changed, honestly, is that we have less kids. The average household has less kids, and we're, we're having smaller families. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have more storage units than ever before. So we have more space with less kids and more storage units. I, when I was a kid, I don't ever recall seeing a storage unit. Uh, you know, they, they, they sell them. You can rent them everywhere. You know, I, I just saw a new one going uptown. Uh, actually, two or three of them around town right lately. I'm like, wow, people have a lot of stuff, right? And, uh, and, and so we, we can fill our life with clutter. We can fill our life with doing so much stuff. Our life is not as simple as it used to be, but we, are, we now have got to come to the, to the realization that we have limits. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much resources. And, and people today, we're spending and we're doing too much. It's beyond our control. And uh, I'm not, sorry, we're making things beyond our control. We're getting out of control. And it's like we're spending, we're filling our time. We have to go to event after event after event. And I enjoy those events. I enjoy a lot of what I do. But sometimes I think we are distracted from the one thing like Mary was. Mary had the one thing. Martha was distracted by things that were good, but that were too much. And I want to encourage you to look at your life this morning because sometimes we get distracted by the things that are just too much. The second thing we get that, that Mary was distracted by, uh, and actually I'm going to show you a picture here. Here's some clutter. I, I, I don't know if, if your life looks like that. You know, you have a garage like that, that's where somebody's car belongs, all right? And, and it's like, you know, when you have clutter, whenever your life is filled with clutter, do you realize what's happening to your brain? Your brain cannot function and you can't see what's most important. Just go in there and try and find out something that's valuable. Probably everything in there has value, right? Maybe. <laughs> and it's like, this is what happens in our life. All these are good things, but Jesus said, Mary found the one thing. 
Um, as we continue, she, she was also, Martha was also distracted by comparison. She would compare. Uh, you know, I, I want you to think of her as comparing her. She, uh, I, I bet what she was preparing that day was the best recipe that she could find. Probably not a, a recipe that she was old, tried and true. It was like, Jesus is coming. We're going to try this new thing. And she goes out, and, and, and if it were modern day, she'd be taking a picture of what she, uh, what she took, and she'd be putting it on Pinterest, right? And, uh, and, and here, we'll put up a picture of Pinterest for her, all right? So here's her nice Mediterranean meal. She takes it, and she puts it up. Imagine if Pinterest were available back then. Here she is. She's just coming. And, you know, if, you, if, if Jesus were coming to our house... We'd probably be calling Pasta 2 or Armstrong's, right? We'd want it to be the best. We'd want to say, wow, this is better than what I can do. This is incredible food. And so Martha is in this mode, but she wants it to be impressionable. And she's comparing. And so here's what happens. When we compare, we focus on pleasing people. She wants everybody to be just happy. Now think of her. Here's this big dinner. She just wants everybody happy. She wants every, she want, you know, you, you, your dinner was good. Well, mine's going to be better. I want it to be the best that it can be. And honestly, here at, uh, here at the church, we want you to have a good experience. We want to give our best for you. But we don't compare. We're not saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we compare to this church or to that church. No, no. We love you for who you are and we, we serve you. And we're trying to be genuine to genuinely serve and care. Um, Martha, I think, struggled with this area. She's making this big dinner and feel the tension of that distraction because she's, she's worried about so many things. Um, if, you, if, you, if your drive is to impress somebody, you will never have room to grow. If your drive is to impress somebody, you've got your eyes on the wrong goal. And the struggle, you want to talk about the struggle being real? You're trying to set out something good to do, and you're trying to impress somebody. Well, guess what? You'll never make it to the goal because you've got the wrong goal. If your goal is to impress somebody, you're, on the wrong, you're, you're not even running the same race. And so God wants you, you want to talk about struggles. I'll give you a little secret. You'll never make people happy. You'll never make all the people on your list happy that you want them to be. Most of the time, they'll, you'll let somebody down. And I'll give you even a bigger secret. It's okay. It's okay. No, but there's nothing that says you've got to meet everybody's expectations. You've you just got to keep your eye on the prize. And, and the one thing, like Mary did. And, and, and so, so, so comparison can, can really distract us. Here's another thing that could have distracted her, was criticism. Um, she wasn't just worried about what she was doing. She was worried about what Mary was doing, okay? Uh, in verse, verse 40, she, he said, uh, she says, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Now, I want you to catch this because the cultural norm of the day was not for women to be sitting in with the rabbi. Jesus was the rabbi, he was, and he had his followers, okay? That was not a normal place for women to be sitting. The women aren't sitting over here with the rabbi. That's where his followers are, the dust of his rabbi, the, these men that were like his apprentice, like his 12 disciples. The women would be over here in the kitchen, working feverishly like Martha. That was the cultural norm of the day. That was where they were supposed to be. That was, that was what everybody knew. It was the unsaid cultural norm. But yet Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and now Martha is criticizing. 
And when we criticize, we worry about what other people are doing. And may I encourage you to not worry about what other people are doing? See, whenever you begin to criticize, whenever you're uh, looking at somebody else's life, um, we, we, you're taking out all the room in your brain for growth. You're, 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 you're getting on the wrong page again. You're running the wrong race. How much time do we criticize other people? Uh, how much time do we take inventory of somebody else? It's so easy to take everybody else's inventory. Have you ever noticed that? We are everybody else's best expert. Have you noticed that? You know? Well, I think, I think, right? So, so what we are, as we come into this mode, uh, Mary and Martha had this tension. And it was just a natural, normal tension. Hey, Jesus. And so he, she criticizes her sister in front of Jesus. Now, now, whenever she comes, Jesus, don't you think she ought to be doing this? Jesus replies. Look at how he replies. Oh, Martha, why are you so distracted? Dear Martha, you are worried. You're upset over this? Why are you worried about this meal? Mary has found it. Mary has found something deeper. And, and then there's the, there's the distraction of crisis mode. You know, there are times that we have a crisis. And I, and I think, you know, Mary, here she is. She's, she's making. I could just see all this food everywhere. And she's got her team of women in there working. And I just want it to be perfect for Jesus. I just want to, you know, I hope Peter enjoys this. You, know, I, you could just see this and see this tension mounting up. She just wants it to be perfect, right? She's in a crisis mode. And there are times that we have to be in crisis mode because we have some legitimate crisis. Uh, as we walked with a few families this uh, Christmas, the week of Christmas, and watched their families in crisis mode, that was hard, really hard times for some of these folks. But some of us, we tend to live in crisis mode where everything's a crisis. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that? It's like it's always the end of the world. It's always the hardest, you know? Uh, you know it, it, it's two degrees outside today. It's not the end of the world. You're here. You made it. God bless you. you, you know, give yourselves a hand. I, I'm, I'm impressed with you. Give yourselves a hand. Are you awake? All right, thank you. All right? There's no crisis mode. And, and so here's what crisis mode is. Here's what I'm trying to say. Worrying about things that we cannot control. You know, there are times that we worry about things that we just cannot control. There are th- I can't control the weather. I can't control the battery not starting last night. Man, I wanted to go into big boohoo last night. You know, woe is me. I stood outside for six minutes in the cold without gloves. Then I went home and had six hot chocolates. You know, it's just like, come on, relax. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we've got it made here. We really do. I'm up here at the church. My wife's shopping down the street at the road. Family dollar. She hitched a ride back up. Everything was safe. And, and I want to go into this, ah, it's the end of the world. We might have to buy another battery. Plenty of people would love to have that car. And I'm crying about a battery. You, you see what happens? We go into crisis mode. And, we, and, and so here she was at. She was in crisis mode. And here, here's what I want to share with you. If you... You don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to worry about the things that you cannot control and work on the things that you can control. And I'm preaching to myself here. Because there are many times that I I am consumed with things that I cannot control. And man, in the meantime, there's plenty of things I should be working on over here. And I neglect them. 
And so when I'm in crisis mode, when it's not truly a crisis, when I am in comparison mode, when I am in uh, all these other modes, listen, my mind can't function on what's the most important thing. Because he told Mary, this is what is the most, he told Martha, Mary had found what was the most important. It didn't mean that what Martha was doing was bad. It just meant there's an importance. And she found it. Uh, the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians three thirteen and 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet. He had just given his resume. And he said, it's not like I've arrived. I haven't arrived, folks. He says, but I focus on this one thing. Now catch that word there, because in Philippians 3.13, Paul uses the word one thing. And over in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, 41, he says, Dear Martha, you are worried about this, upset over all these. Verse 42, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. One thing. One thing. You see this, this, this language lining up. Paul says, here it is, one thing. And it's the same one thing, it's Jesus. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He says, he, he now he, he's talking in terms of a race, of a runner. He says, I'm forgetting what's yesterday. Yesterday's over. I can't go back and change it. It's gone. It's, that's in my rear view mirror. And I am not driving forward looking in a rear view mirror. And I want to encourage you too. If you're looking forward and you're focused on the rear view mirror, you're going to wreck your car. That rear view mirror is to help you when you back up. It's to help you when you pass. And so if you're driving your life like that, looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to wreck your life. You'll never be able to go forward. That's yesterday. That's gone back there. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He says, the one thing for me is the main thing. And I want you to think about the one thing and make it the main thing today. One thing that is the most important thing. And for the Apostle Paul, he said it was Jesus at the end of the race. Do you realize at the end of the race is not your career? I get around people all the time who've retired and they're saying, man, I just don't know what to do. I got all this time and they feel awkward. Why? Because they put their career at the end of the race. The career is not the end of the race. It's Jesus is at the end of the race. Uh, your job, your family, all those things are important, but those are not the end of the race. It is the goal. I press on towards the goal, to the end of the race, to receive the heavenly prize for what God has called me through Christ Jesus. It's the same thing that Mary was doing. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's taking it all in. This one thing is the most important thing. But yet we live in a world where one thing is rare, isn't it? And when my wife sends me to the grocery store to get one thing, it's pretty dangerous because I never come home with one thing, okay? I come home with many things, 14 to 15 to be exact, all right? And it's like, all I asked for was a can of whipped cream for the pumpkin pie. Well, I thought you could use a few other things too, honey, all right? And, uh, and, and so we live in a world where it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complicated world. Richard Swenson in his book, Overload syndrome. He states this. He says that there are 80 different types of blood pressure medications available out there today. 80 different types. And you only saw four advertised, right? 80 different types. There are 93 different types of bottles, bottled water. I don't know if that includes Giant Eagle brand or not. There are 125 different kinds of yogurt. 
No wonder the struggle is real, huh? Uh, 177 kinds of salad dressing. See, that's why I don't eat salads, folks. 189 channels on TV and growing. 551 kinds of coffee. And I heard Dan Hayden's kind makes 552. Somebody told me that in between. 752 models of cars and trucks. 2,500 different types of light bulbs. No wonder we're crippled. We can't move forward in our culture. I mean, Jim, watch. Get him going about the light bulbs. You're under LED environment right now, okay? He, 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 like, again, you've got to grab and love on him because he, he'll give you the whole study of this thing. It's the lumens and the colors, and I'm like, Jim, does it turn on? Thank you, all right? 2,500 different types of light bulbs. 50,000 choices in the average grocery store. That's why they never hired me. Barnes & Noble sold one, has, sells more than 1 million unique physical book titles every year. Barnes & Noble. Those are physical books, 1 million. You go to their website. Uh, carries, they carry about 5,500 uh, 5, magazine titles and nearly 1,000 newspaper titles. And that iPhone in your pocket. As of, as of January 2017, there were 2.2 million apps available for your iPhone. 2.2 million for the iPhone, the iPad, that whole iStuff. 2.2 million. We live in a complicated world. God says there's one thing I want you to be thinking about. One thing. So does it mean that I'm telling you not to buy apps? No. Buy apps. Have, have a ball. Just don't let your apps get in the way of the one thing. And, 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 you know, and, and go to the grocery store. Just don't bring home one of all 50,000 choices, all right? Go, go to the grocery store. But keep your eyes on the one thing. And, and we, we, we have fun. We enjoy all this. Uh, but let's make room. See, if, I, if my mind is consumed with doing too much clutter, if it's consumed with uh, comparison, if it's consumed with uh, just, just all, the, all these things that don't matter, worrying about things that I can't control, if I consume there, then I can't consume with the one thing that matters the most. Because those things just take out everything. They, they rob your joy. They steal your joy. They it's like they take up all the space. So the struggle is real. The Apostle Paul says here in Hebrews 12, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As we enter into this new year, 2018, as we're dealing with the struggles, and, and you want to move forward in the struggle, Israel, I want to encourage you that there are some things that we can do and the first thing we can do is subtract. What can you take off this year? What, what clutter can we get rid of? Maybe you've got your kids in 18 sports. Maybe they'd be happy with six. Maybe they'd be happy with one. Maybe, maybe, we can, maybe we can just relax a little bit. Maybe we can take, and we don't have to watch every football game of the NFL. And you can... Just back off some of that and spend some more time looking at the one thing. Uh, maybe there's some things here. He says, lay, take away the weight, okay, the things that are hard to run with. And he says also the sin. Maybe you're involved with some sin that's just hurting you. Hurting your family. It's stopping you from the one thing. He says, get rid of it. 
One translation says the sin that easily entangles us. Another says the sin that ensnares us. The sin that besets us. What is it for you? You've been dealing with it. and You, you know it's not right. You know that God, you, you know it's hurting you. Listen, the biggest part about sin, yeah, we've offended the holy God, but sin hurts you. And so you're dealing with some areas in your life and God says, I want you to shed this. I want you to stop. I want you to get rid of it. And you don't do it through your own willpower. You do it through God's power. You say, okay, God, I'm going I'm to come this year and I'm going to focus on the one thing. And this one thing over here, it's got to go. Because it's not the main thing. And this one thing over here, this, this, was, this was some bad news. So it could be anything from just Netflix binge watching, which is all cool and all that, right? Fun stuff, all the way to some sin. Something that's really hurting you, hurting those around you. Let's, let's deal with it. You need to focus. A, a runner focuses on the, on the end prize. Give up one thing. I want to encourage you for the next 21 days to, to give up one thing. Give up one thing so that you can focus on the one thing. What one thing can you get rid of? Just take tw- the next 21 days, the next three weeks, what can you give up? Maybe, maybe it's just time, time on TV. Maybe it's time on the Internet. Maybe it's time for the social media. Oh, man, there's all kind of balls of wax with that stuff. Maybe there's stuff that we could just let go so that we can fit in the main thing. Because we tend to crowd out the main thing. Um, and then, you know, what, what do I need to add? What do I need to add? There's a few things that we need to add. So I subtract the things that are going to hurt me. Then what do I need to add? You're here this morning. You're worshiping the Lord in the frigid zone up here, right? You're worshiping the Lord, and it's been, it's been great. It's been a great day up here. But I want, I want to share, share this with you about making church a priority. Make this not just something that's kind of, if everything else works in my schedule, I'll get to church, but make it the top priority. There was a fellow who wrote, a, wrote an article. His name was Neil McQueen. He wrote an article. It was called Too Good to Be True. He says, what if I told you that there was a well-researched and statistically proven program that on average can increase the average life expectancy of your children by eight years? can significantly reduce your child's use and risk of alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. Dramatically, it can dramatically lower their risk of suicide. It can help them rebound from depression 70% faster. It can dramatically reduce the risk of committing a crime, improve their attitude at school, and increase their school participation. It can reduce their risk for rebelliousness, reduces their, the likelihood that they would become, that they would binge drink in college, Improve their odds for a very happy life. Provide them with a lifelong moral compass. Provide children with a caring extended family. Get them to wear their seatbelts more often. And will also statistically improve the odds that they will be active in their community in their adult years. Is there such a program? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, it is supported by research from Duke University, Indiana University, the University of Michigan, the Centers for Disease Control, the Barner Research Group, the Gallup, the Pew, the National Institute for Healthcare Research. Well, how much would a program would that be worth? Would you want to buy it? Well, what if I told you it was free and it only took two hours a week? Would you be interested? Take a look at the list above again. It's not a dream. The program is called Active Church Participation. And I want to encourage you, as you set forward, the struggle is real. I understand the struggle is real to get here sometimes. 
But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. There's, there's opportunities here that you don't get anywhere else. I, uh, uh, there's opportunities that, that, that the soccer team can't offer to you, folks. There's opportunities that the football team can't offer to you. My daughter took me last week, went down to the football game. It was great. I was frozen. It was wonderful. But there's something here that I couldn't get in a stadium with 50,000 people waving yellow towels. And this lasts much longer than what you can get down there. Oh, it's fun. I was waving my yellow towel. I was like a crazy person. I'm going to be crazy next week watching that game, right? But listen, this has the place of priority. Make it a priority. And, th- and then how about, how about getting to know God? Maybe, maybe we need to add on some getting into his word. Psalm 105, 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. This here will change your life. I don't want you just to get 30 minutes of it a week. I can only give you so much in 35 minutes on Sunday morning. But you can get so much more all week long. So I want to encourage you to, to, to in the foyer, I have these Bible reading schedules out there. They're uh, just past the Welcome Center. You'll see them up against the wall. You can go and, and you, can, you can get one of those and, and, and just take that. And, and there's one that's five minutes a day. Do you know if you get five minutes a day, five days a week, you'll be able to read the New Testament in a year? I think everybody could find five minutes. Uh, you can read through the whole Bible in a year with 25 minutes, 30 minutes a day. It's incredible. The, the plans are out there. There's another plan, 365 key chapters. I want to encourage you, let's all go out and let's say, all right, what do I need to add? I'm going to take away the sin that easily besets me. I'm going to take away the weight, and I'm going to look to, be, to make the one thing matter today. As we close our service today, we're going to have communion. And I, I just want to make Jesus the main thing. And as, you're, as, as the men are preparing to serve communion at this time. I just want to ask you this morning to make Jesus the main thing because the struggle is real, folks. That's where the struggle is. To make Jesus the main thing, that's your hardest struggle in all of life. You will be fought for with every good thing. Everything uh, around you is going to be pushing pressure that you should do something else, but Jesus wants to make it first. And so as the men come and serve the congregation, they're going to bring around the bread first. I'm going to ask that we retain the bread till everyone's been served. Uh, Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. Uh, As you retain the bread this morning, I want you to remember that this was a a symbol. Jesus said, this is is my body broken for you. When he said that, it was symbolic. He ripped off a piece of bread. And he said, I want you to remember me because sacrifice that he was going to give on the cross and this morning I want to encourage you to to examine yourself the scripture says to examine ourselves. before we take communion would you just reflect and examine yourself are you a follower of Christ is he the main thing or has, there been, has he been off to the side things
fasted. Let's pray over this this morning. And then we'll partake. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for this piece of bread that we hold this morning that is symbolic of your body that was broken for us. God, I pray for everyone in this room that you'll help us to connect to you, that you'll help us to build that relationship with you and make you the main thing. But Lord, as we start off 2018, we start off with putting Jesus at the center, at the rightful place of our life. In your name we pray. he took the cup and he passed the cup and it was wine juice and as the juice comes your way this morning I, I want you to sit here and think about it and he said that this would be the, the symbol of the new covenant which would be his blood gentlemen you may serve the congregation ask that everyone retains the cup to everyone has been served and that juice represented the blood which was the new covenant promise that God was making that through his blood you would be set free through his blood you would have life Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this, this blood, this representation of your blood, Lord. This juice this morning, we thank you for it, but we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross. Lord, you told us to do this in remembrance of you, and this morning, Lord, we celebrate you. You are the main event in this church, and you will always be the main event in this church. For what you've done on the cross for us has liberated us. You've given us so much freedom. Lord, we ask your strength to place you as the main thing, as that one thing at the end of the race. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing a closing song? And let's just leave on a joyful note as we rejoice to the Lord. And we'll, we'll sing a verse and a chorus and then we'll be dismissed. Your love is devoted. Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today.